You are listening to the B Fox and B Frank show. The top four is set in the college football playoff. We will talk about that in just a little bit. But first, let's go through last weekend and how we got here. Um, there were a lot of conference championship games that happened. We're just going to focus on the Power Five, um, just like the committee does. And yes, great, great <laughs> point. And we will start with uh, the ACC. Clemson, Virginia, um, I mean, not much to say here other than this is just Clemson all year with the exception of North Carolina. This was basically Clemson's chance to, like, reintroduce themselves. So it kind of felt um, poetic with Jay-Z's music coming back to Spotify, like Clemson being allowed to reintroduce themselves as, like, one of the great right. teams. See, I got there. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence had an awesome game, 300-plus yards, four touchdowns at TN like 10 yards of carry basically T Higgins, three touchdowns, 182 yards receiving. Justin Ross had a great game. The defense looked awesome. Granted it is Virginia, but still it's a conference title game. It's a game that matters. And uh, they won it handily. Well, and that's the thing too, with, with Clemson, we've been saying all year, you can say like, well, it's Virginia, but this is like their their toughest test of the year. And yeah. that's kind of what has happened seemingly um, over the years with conference championship games leading into, uh, you know, the top four. These are supposed to be like your toughest tests of the year. But with few exceptions, they are getting like less and less competitive, I feel. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, this year certainly was that on display because – we had, what, one game within one score in the uh, Power Five? Um, yeah. And, I mean, there's one, one of the blowouts was technically an upset um, in the Pac-12, which we can talk about. But, yeah, yeah, like, coming in, they were – most of these spreads were greater than one score. So that, mm-hmm. I mean, for the most part, checked out. Um, Big 12, Oklahoma, Baylor uh, went to overtime. Oklahoma won in overtime. I just don't really know – how this game was close because by almost any statistical measure, Oklahoma should have won this one going away. Yeah. If Baylor's defense really stepped up in the key moments, um, not to mention some just magical throws. I mean, when you have two completions for 158 yards and a touchdown, that's a pretty good start to, to, uh, for a third stringer. But I mean, the quarterback play for Baylor was an issue. They had to go three down as uh, Brewer went out early couldn't get any consistency and nine of 27 for 230 yards and like i said like 150 of those were on two total passes no run game whatsoever i mean oklahoma's defense looked the part it definitely looked like a team that had recently played baylor and knew what to expect the offense for whatever reason just has not been firing on all cylinders cd lamb was back but he and he was effective but they just couldn't punch the ball in when they needed to two turnovers as well so jalen hurts really struggling this year with turnovers other side of the same coin, too, because Baylor has seen Oklahoma before this year. Right. Um, so there's some familiarity there. With that being said, you know, still rolled up over 400 yards of offense, um, had a couple couple turnovers that kind of prevented them from, from scoring more, I think. But, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it was, it was always pretty clear that, you know, I mean, th- this was more or less a play-in game for the fourth spot, and... I mean, whoever whoever the fourth team was going to be was always going to be a little uninspiring comparatively. And right. I mean, Oklahoma was certainly that in this game. Yeah, to yeah. the point where yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it 
feels spot on because of like how how uninspired they looked in that game. I mean, Jalen Hurts was excited and he keeps his he doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve, but even so like huge sack on third down in overtime to get your team basically the automatic win because Baylor's got to go like 40 yards now just to get a first down and he doesn't even react to it. He's just sitting there stone-faced and it's like this is such uninspired. Like obviously he feels there's more to do and that's like his personality, but my god, you know, that they, they couldn't they, the defense finally stepped up and made big plays when they needed to, but the offense just didn't look any anything like the part. And now they get to be the number four seed. Yeah, even the most cynical person who's saying, like, oh, he's from Bama, he's used to winning a lot already, he's like, still should be able to draw mm-hmm. a little excitement from that, I would hope. Yeah. I mean, at least if we were in that situation, I would, would hope we would be losing our shit. But Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is not the final goal for Oklahoma. Um they have some work to do, which we'll talk about. But I, I think if, if this next game had a different result um, or kind of how it was looking after the first half, Oklahoma could have been left out entirely, which would have been a fascinating debate that the committee was spared from. But yeah, Big Ten Championship, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Wisconsin goes up 21-7 to and then gives up the last 27 points of the game to make the that hypothetical debate moot. Um I mean, if you're Ohio State, you had to be worried for yeah. a lot of that game. Very much so. I mean, Wisconsin's offense looked like they could do no wrong in the first half. They made plays on plays. Jack Cohn was doing with his arm and his legs. Two rushing touchdowns in the game. Jonathan Taylor got off to an awesome start. There was just no penetration from the defensive line. The offense couldn't put together anything. And then all of a sudden, the second half starts. They get a score. They get a turnover. They get a, uh, they get held to a field goal, which they probably should have scored a touchdown on that drive. Fields missed the pass. And then it was basically off to the races from there. And Wisconsin tried to stop the bleeding, but they just couldn't get the offense going again. And Chase Young, as he does, took over. The collapse was so immediate but in the first quick. couple minutes of the third quarter to like take – a, a quick 10 points off that lead, whole new game, four-point game versus two-touchdown deficit. Um, and I think that that completely took the air out of Wisconsin sales. And yeah. they, they just were never the same. And it looks like it, it sparked something in Ohio State where they kind of remembered, you know, haven't even been in a game this close all year. Like, we should be more dominant. Um, and, you know, J.K. Dobbins did that a little bit offensively. Uh, some great catches really helping out fields from his receivers in the second half. Um yeah, defense turned it around, but I mean, all said and done, holding Jonathan Taylor under 150 yards, still a pretty good day at the office. Um, Especially just, the way he got started, too. Yeah. I think he was over yeah, 100 uh, in the first half. Yeah, he was, um, but that's that's how good he's been in his career, and that's how, that's how well Ohio State played in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, was, this really was the one blip on their resume that they played a close game. And one and one by two touchdowns. They did. They uh they looked they looked like a regular team for a half of football and then yeah. thoroughly dominated. I'm pretty sure they scored twenty seven points and gave up thirty six yards of offense in the second half. And yeah, that's that's the that's the meanest thing you can say about Ohio State football this year, really. I know. Is that they they had a pedestrian first half. Um one out of the 24 halves of football or one out of the 26 halves of football they played this year. Yep. Um, SEC, LSU, Georgia, complete domination by Joe Burrow once again. Yeah. 
Um, and I mean, Georgia just really did not look like they, they cared to be there at all. No rushing attack. The offensive line looked atrocious. Jake Fromm got manhandled on a few of those plays. LSU's defense actually looked pretty good for maybe the first time all year. I say maybe slightly as I just didn't pay attention to some of the lesser games they played. Um, but this is the Joe Burrow show. Like A lot was made out of uh, Edwards Hilaire coming into the game, and he really didn't do too much offensively. He had a couple decent runs, but didn't put together any you know numbers like Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor did or Etienne. But still, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow show, it continues. Yeah, and uh, well-deserved SEC championship, obviously, for LSU. Mm-hmm. Um, really ran, ran the gauntlet this year. Finally got that elusive win over... Um, Alabama, um, good win here over Georgia, although clearly not the Bulldogs' finest effort. Um, throw yeah. Auburn in there as well. Um, so LSU going to the playoff, well deserved. Um, yeah, we'll have a uh, about three more weeks of people going back and forth on the internet, which which will be so will be entertaining. Fun. Yeah, LSU. This is there's one thing that I noticed, and uh, I think D- Gary Danielson pointed it out on the broadcast. But LSU has this weird tendency in like late situations in the half or the game to play bump and run coverage when they have no reason to do so, and they get burned almost every play. And it's just whether the receiver catches the ball or not. Against yeah. Alabama, obviously caught it and scored to to make it a, a tighter game. Or Auburn, maybe both. I can't even remember, but. It's happened numerous times this year where they play bump and run when they don't need to just keep it in front of you. So that, that'll be maybe something to watch, especially uh, given given the opponent and the way I expect the game to go. I do remember him saying that about Auburn and the Iron Bowl um, as well. So it's apparently people drinking the same water in the SEC. But mm-hmm. yeah, that is as, I guess, non-risk averse as it gets. So yeah, yeah that's... Uh, Asking to get burned by really any of the offenses you're going to see in the playoffs. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, Jake Fromm, definite down year for him. Um, you know, Georgia mm-hmm. is not really scaring anybody the same way that, you know, the, the playoff field might be. Um, Pac 12 game was, uh, was close for a little bit on Friday nights um, to kick the weekend off. Oregon ruining Utah's playoff chances um, in. What ended up being a blowout, it was close, and then C.J. Verdell kind of took over in a, a game that wasn't necessarily Justin Herbert's finest. Yeah, 200 yards running, three touchdowns, basically broke open and ended the game on, I don't know, last three drives where he really put the top-run defense in the country to work, allowing 56 yards a game. They gave up way more than that. They gave up four times it just to Verdell alone. Um, Herbert was okay, like you said. Tyler Hunt- Huntley is—I this- don't even know first name Tyler, but yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, I-, I can't keep the Huntleys straight. There are too many that have run through college football lately. Uh, two interceptions. He had two on the year coming in. Basically, everything that Utah had going for them this season—run defense, uh, crisp passing game. You know, he's completing—I think seventy-seven percent of his passes coming in. Only had two interceptions. So they took care of the ball. Everything outside of. Zach Moss failed them. Yeah. And you, you feel a little bit, or at least I do for Utah, because for, I'd say, like 90% of the country, this is the first time you're really seeing Utah mm-hmm. play this year. Um, so this is the lasting impression. And 
not necessarily fair with with what they've been able to do and accomplish this season. Um, right. But really, really tough end of the season um, for Kyle Whittingham. Not only do you lose the opportunity to go to the playoff, you also lose um, a spot in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, as Oregon ends up snagging that. So tough, tough end to uh, what what really could have been a historic season for for the football. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be a tough climb back, but I like Kyle Whittingham. I think he's a pretty good coach. I think he knows the personnel that he wants, and that's exactly what he got with Huntley and Moss. He went out and grabbed those two guys from Florida, and he'll he'll find he'll find another duo that he can work with. Yeah, I I, I don't think a pair of coaches for revenue sports at a Power Five school go together quite the same as Whittingham and Christoyak. I know. I, I feel like like whenever I see one of them on tv they're just looking more and more alike um, they, and it's <laughs> one of these days they're just gonna switch jobs yeah it's it's a little it's a little too perfect um yeah so playoff is set lsu re-jumped ohio state for the one spot so they'll be playing oklahoma in the peach bowl and the mm-hmm. fiesta bowl will be ohio state versus clemson did the committee get it right? This is what I've had. Well, I had Georgia at four, so they lost, and then Oklahoma was on the outside looking in. Um, so this is what I had: LSU, OSU, Clemson, Oklahoma. I think it's right. I think LSU has been the best team all year. Um, was Ohio? I mean, it, there's a clear argument either way. Like, yes, and I I see it, and I don't like. I like to point it out to LSU fans, even though I have LSU at number one. That like Ohio State had one bad half where they gave up 21 points to Wisconsin. LSU has had numerous games giving up 30-plus points to teams that had no business staying in the game. That's more than a blip on your resume. That is a consistent and current problem that they have defensively. All that being said, they have the best player and quarterback in the country, and that's Joe Burrow. As long as they've got him, they're the best team. They're definitely the most motivated team in the country because of the perceived media slights. And that's why over the last, you know, three or four games this season, I think really stepped it up a notch and started playing championship level football and, you know, blowing out teams like Texas A&M versus giving up 38 points to Vanderbilt. Like that's, that's a much better performance from your Mm -hmm. whole team there. Um, And like acting offended that people were saying that their defense was a weaker units, like start showing it on the field, which to their credit they have. Yeah. Um, But like I, I'm okay with I've I've had Ohio State at number one all year. I'm okay with either LSU or Ohio State being the number one seed. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think you can justify it either way, but like either fan base missed me with the the screaming and even cl- throw Clemson in there too. Like you're in the playoff, just yeah. win two games, you have the national championship. Just shut the fuck up about seeding and everything else like if you're really the best team you're gonna it doesn't win matter both at this games point. yeah it doesn't matter at this point yeah like you're you're in that's that's really all it is ohio state when they won their national championship they're the four seed kick the shit out of bama kick the shit out of oregon yep. like you're in the playoff field you're not you don't have to travel anywhere like all right you have to travel you don't have to travel to play yeah. a true road game right um so i mean you can't really be bitching from that perspective i understand that you'd rather start off against Oklahoma versus Clemson this year, but that's not to say that Oklahoma can't win it all too. Um, I will say credit to college football for at least making a playoff because in BCS era, one of LSU, Ohio State, Clemson yeah. would not even have a shot at playing for the national title. 
So there is some progress being made, but we can't, when, when you look at literally any other level of college football, literally any other level, just th- this is not a playoff. It's just the same thing we had with one extra game. Um, right. And there's no, there's no undefeated group of five team this year um, that the committee ranked like 11th or something. But as my, uh, as my boy Bill Connolly pointed out, like, we're still severely under. Well, I guess we, Royal We, as the uh, the committee, we're still yeah. criminally undervaluing a team like Memphis, who you know had the won the the toughest Group of Five conference ever um, this year's American, and suffered one loss on the year Temple, um, which people will poo poo. But I mean, we're we're going to talk about. A team that lost to Kansas State making the playoff. We had a team that lost to a very bad South Carolina team, being very close to included in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like there. There is not the gap between those programs that or those teams that you know the final rankings would have you believe, and that's just another another year of, of frustration. I'm really hoping that they show out against Penn State, but. Obviously, as we as we've seen in past years, even a victory there, people would find excuses for. So, yep, uh, yeah, can't win, can't win. the The American, or at least the Memphis argument, is very interesting because to beat the same team two weeks in a row is not an easy thing to do in college football. Especially, I mean, no matter what the level is, but especially when you're basically just outside the Power Five, you're the next best conference in the country outside of the power five. And this is a team you know, a top 20 team, essentially they've got three top 25 wins. I mean, I would even potentially throw Navy in there cause they've been right around it the entire time. That's three or four top 25 wins for, for counting Texas as a top 25 win for LSU. Certainly. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a better resume than most of the teams above them. Plain and yeah. simple. And like the fact yeah. that I get a loss is a loss and, and that every, I think losses should be treated at least looking at the the record, the exact same. Then you can dig into, you know, who was it against? What was the score? What were the circumstances? And that's where you can get the variance on them. But looking loss to loss for these teams, there's no reason they should be ranked behind a three loss team. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying Memphis should have been in this year's playoffs, um, but I am saying like the the playoffs should be expanded at least to eight teams, and I think Memphis would have been deserving to be one of those eight teams at least. And if we're going to sit here and continue to pretend that there's not just a massive bias against group of five teams from the committee, then I mean, where does the Temple win move? Far for the course. But they're seventeen. Where does the Temple win move? There, I mean, it's twelve. Saying on Twitter, like they're still not going to crack the top ten, and that's right. just which is yeah, ridiculous. That's it's, it's crazy. The same same argument, the same thing. The, yeah, yeah. I, the, we're we are talking about hypothetical, so the same the same fervor is not there um, for me, which I I guess almost good in a way that they lost. Yeah, the one game, so I'm not throwing things here, but like if they went undefeated, I would be shouting from the rooftop like a a resume comparison with Oklahoma in the historically bad Big Twelve. Um, that did not go undefeated. Yeah, I'd put Memphis in over them. Mm-hmm. But lucky for Lincoln Riley, we do not have to have that discussion. Yeah, that's uh, maybe maybe next year. 
should be so lucky. Thought Army <laughs> might do that team this year. We were close. We were one <laughs> overtime kick away. Well, a regulation field goal away from having it. Yeah, and then that that broke him. Yep. Um. All right. So, coaching news. Some some hires already starting. Speaking of Memphis, Mike Norvell yep. going to Florida State, which I think is a very good hire. Mm-hmm. Um, Lane Kiffin Lane back Train in the SEC. We through. thought we thought maybe Arkansas. He's he's going to Ole Miss, and then Arkansas just hiring the if you if you generated just a generic Arkansas coach, I would picture Sam Pittman. Yep. Uh, Georgia offensive line coach going all the way up to head man at Arkansas after his Bulldogs got manhandled by LSU in the SEC championship. Not unlike Mel Tucker failing upwards last year. Um, full circle on this show. Yes. Out of out of those out of those three, and I hope we can exclude Pittman. Who is who is the best hire for you? It's, it's I love Lane Kiffin, but it's got to be Norvell, right? Like. He built a strong and consistent winner at Memphis, and that's not an easy place to do so, especially with football being the second fiddle to the basketball program. Maybe not early in his tenure there, but certainly now and beforehand with you know John Calipari and company in, in town. But uh, Florida State needs a whole rebuild. They need a whole new identity. They need everything to build from the ground up, and that's exactly what he can come in and do. Lane Kiffin isn't necessarily going to be that guy. Yes, he's going to have his own spin on the program, but he's basically just going to try and keep it consistent and just recruit talent because that's what he does best and then outscore people on any any given night. So I think from a pure like football standpoint, you can't go wrong with either guy, but from a program building, from a culture, from you know all the buzzwords that people like to throw around, it's got to be Norvell. Yeah, and, and Norvell, weirdly enough, I think is going into a, an easier situation just in terms of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, the like Florida State has historically been, you know, one of the classes of the ACC. Conference is just looking for one other team right now to challenge Clemson. Yeah, um, and if if he can do that, he'll be embraced right away. I think it was very impressive how you know when when Fuente left Memphis to go to Virginia Tech. No drop off in the football program at all. He kept them um, very competitive, and then obviously high water mark this year. Um, finally, after three tries, winning the conference. Um, I mean, I, I think Kiffin is definitely going to elevate Ole Miss football. Um, hopefully, uh, for that fan base, this is where he he kind of sticks. Um, so obviously, he is he has bounced around pretty much his entire career. Yep. Um, but it seemed like the the FAU gig. Um, and even his time at Alabama as offensive coordinator helped to revitalize his career and himself a little bit. Um, but I, I, I think it won't be. I definitely don't think it'll be an instant turnaround. I think it'll it'll take a couple of years before he can get Ole Miss to to kind of be competitive in the SEC West again. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll kind of kind of see how how patient that that fan base is with him. They seem. Very thrilled right now, um, as I mean they should be. But yeah, well, uh, we'll see. I think I think Norvell is is going to have an easier time, um, and I, I also think that, or I guess easier time from day one. But also, I think that you know he he's going to be better for that program long term. Yeah, I 
the, that's the problem is you can't guarantee Lane Kiffin's going to be there long term. So yeah. you, you never know what the hell you're going to get with him outside of high powered offenses. Like that that's and, basically all you can assume. And there seems to be more a little better reasoned out um from Florida State because you know Willie Taggart had had some pretty good years at Western Kentucky, but really what they were bringing him in from was one just kind of so-so year at Oregon, mm-hmm. which I never really fully understood, and then obviously it didn't play out very well for anyone. Um, but you know, thinking Norvell's success at—I mean, the, the best non-power five job in the country right now—would mm-hmm. you know go into the ACC rather seamlessly, considering honestly that that both conferences were about the same this year, right? Um, in terms of like overall rating, absolutely, and you know. <laughs> Whatever whatever is going on monetarily at Florida State, I have to assume has to be better than what Memphis has going, at least around the football program. Oh, one uh, one forgot to mention: um, App State's going to need a new coach again. Yeah, after Satterfield left Louisville, Trinkwitz leaving after a year um, to go to Missouri. More fresh blood in the SEC. Um, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, poor goes. App didn't, State. Didn't, yeah. I mean, keep keep winning conference titles. Yeah, I mean that's all you got to do. Just just that's it, something. Revolving door of coaches. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see if they they strike gold again in this uh, this latest search. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, college basketball. College basketball. All right. Uh, so Big Ten winning the ACC Big Ten Challenge eight six. Yep. Um, Actually, all of my most and least impressive are teams from that. Do you want to? Do you want to start with your most impressive? Yeah, I'm gonna go Ohio State. They, I Got mean, it. blew the doors off of North Carolina in North Carolina. Um, they, I mean, right now they are easily the best team in the Big Ten. They might be the best team in the country. We'll have to see what uh, Louisville can do on Tuesday. So today, for those listening against Texas Tech at MSG, but even Texas Tech hasn't looked great, and Jemias Ramsey's out, so or might be out. He's been on and off injured. Ohio, I mean, they've got it all, though. They're playing great defense. The offense looks really good. Caleb Wesson is still a freaking load and can score the ball really well. Um, Chris Holtman, easily one of the best coaches in the country at this point, and it's, I mean, he, he is basically just needs to win a title for us to call him, like, one of the elite of the elite coaches, but I think he's an elite coach already. Yeah. I know Ohio state too. Um, following that up by Flint beating the doors off Penn state mm-hmm. over the weekend and their conference opener who, um, some, some have said is a tournament team this year. I have. And I, uh, I so stand very, by that. Look, very, the game changed. The, I'm not, I'm not saying they're not. I'm just, I'm just saying the that game helps. changed on a bad technical foul on Lamar Stevens. That's all it was. And then okay. Ohio and state then went Ohio on like state, a, 32 yeah. to 7 run or something. I think they ended up winning by 32. They did. Uh, so there's that. Um, let's throw Duke in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of your opinions of Michigan State at the moment, going in and getting a road win, comfortable one at that in the Breslin Center. Um, pretty good. And then following that up, winning on the road at uh, Virginia Tech, yeah. which is not the same as it might have been in the, uh, the Buzz Williams era, but I mean – Michigan State couldn't beat them on a neutral floor, so there's that. It's true. Um, so, I mean, that's Duke, I think, is going to have a, a fairly up-and-down year. Um, Stephen F. Austin is just the the thing that everyone will reference till I mean, 
the end of time. Kentucky but, fans are so butthurt that Duke is ranked above them because of the Stephen F. Austin loss. It's like, lest we forget yeah. Evansville. Who, I, was, yeah. I don't know if Evansville's won a game since they beat Kentucky, to be honest with you. That's something I'll fact check. But I think I think Evansville is still higher in Kenpom. But I, I thought you were gonna say like Kentucky fans love that that loss is taking the attention away from losing to Evansville, which it definitely did. It but is, yeah. Yeah, like that's still not a good home loss. So no. um you have any more most impressive? I have five more. Uh Louisville. <laughs> It's I mean it's tough. There's so many games going on and so many teams. Uh Louisville beats Michigan pretty easily at home, 58-43. Really just a rock fight for about the first 14 or so minutes and they got then they then Louisville finally got going. Michigan didn't get it going till the second half. Jordan Wara is putting together a really strong candidacy for player of the year. He looks good all over the floor. He's super efficient scoring. Gets his teammates involved really well. They they just run such a nice motion offense that it's it's tough to to get upset by it. And they play strong defense too. So Jordan War is the key that that makes them go. But they've got really nice complementary pieces as well that work. And they uh, they looked pretty good. They they struggled a little bit with Pitt, but it wasn't any. It was just a blip basically of five minutes, kind of like Ohio State, where it stayed close for a little bit and then they pulled away when when it got down to it. Uh, another team. Georgetown, they lose two of their top scorers, two of their best players, and go on and go on the road, beat Oklahoma State, and then go on the road and beat SMU. That's two unbeaten teams, held both to 74 points, scored 80-plus in both games. Mac McClung was excellent in both, showing that he can be a number one scorer, which is basically what Georgetown fans have been waiting for. Um, so that's huge, huge week right there for the Big East. They needed that desperately from somebody else that wasn't Butler or DePaul for about five days. And um, it was it was a big lift that the conference got. Purdue had a hell of a week as well, just dominating a uh. an offensively challenged Virginia team. Um, Baylor had a really nice home win against Arizona in a game that basically no one watched. It was a road game. Yeah, essentially, yeah, in just, terms of who is actually there. <laughs> there was nobody at the game because of the uh, Big 12 title. And then Butler, 9-0. and The Bulldogs look good. Kamar Baldwin's played well. I'll, I'll say this. I don't think Florida's a very good basketball team, at least at this point. That's, you know, going out on a limb. They have no offense, just no offense whatsoever, and none of the pieces fit together as we had expected. The freshmen really aren't playing very well. Nemard's been okay. Kerry Blackshear's been okay. There's not like there's no guy that you can go to and say, "Get me a bucket when we're in a drought." And Butler took full advantage of that, blew him, blew him out pretty well in the second half, and uh, it was over from there. Nine and zero, picked ninth, I believe, in the Big East, and they are the last unbeaten in the league. So, shout out to Kamar Baldwin and Co. Florida and Michigan State, I think, will will turn it around yeah. um, over the course of the season. Um, but I also, at this point, like with the years of data in front of us, I just don't think Mike White is a very good coach. Mm-hmm. Um, like certainly, certainly with the current roster out of the gate, you you have to be doing more with that. They they have looked absolutely brutal. Um, and just thinking back to his past Florida teams, they haven't done anything more than 
could reasonably be expected of them either. Um, and I think a lot of that falls on him. Uh, I mean, they they don't even have an offense though. Like they're it's it's like Coach K last year with Duke. He basically just isolated. This year, they just kind of run in circles and don't make any moves to the basket until under 10 on the shot clock. It's like, what the hell are you yeah. doing? I mean, I, I think at least a little of that has to go on him, certainly. Definitely. Um, yeah, so good good for Butler. Don't have to play him this year, so that's nice. That, that is nice. <laughs> I, I have no more most impressive teams. Okay. Uh, least impressive went all in on Virginia because I mean, oh. uh, that's that's what that game was about. Let's be. I mean, for let's let's backtrack. First of all, UNC was my true least impressive because you got routed by Ohio State and then you lost to a Virginia team that just looked like a 1950s basketball team. They didn't score 50 um, points in either game. They yeah, Cole Anthony, like it's, it's and they Cole didn't Anthony score 50 and nothing points. Else. Yeah. Well, see, I mean, if he's not putting up thirty, then it's it's tough to like. They're they're prized. They're prized, uh, or one of their two prized transfers this year is from freaking Glenbard West. So, like Shout that's out. that's not that's not going to help you replace um, all of the production that you lost from last year, especially if guys are getting hurt too. Um, like it's it's a young team that has not played a lot together, and they are playing like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Virginia, like we're 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 not going to pretend like Braxton Key is really this huge key to their offense. Like with or without him, they happen to be without him this week. He's not DeAndre are, Hunter from a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, they're they're atrocious either way. Um, like he had, he is still like you can make the argument he is their best offensive player. But whether that's true or not, like they are the Virginia team that. You know they've kind of been perceived as being mm-hmm. first couple of years like they're going to have to win every game forty five forty this year and Purdue was able to generate more offense than most teams are against Virginia so that's partially why this one got so lopsided but also like Diakite is fine but he's he's still a, a defense first guy um, I mean if if you're if you're trying to make him the your leading scorer this year, that's going to be tough. Like they don't, they don't have really any perimeter guy this year, like a, a Brogdon or a Justin Anderson, or at least someone to, to kind of carry the offense when needed. Like they just don't have that at all. It feels like the London Parantis here all over again, where they put a guy who's really just a defensive guy and a distributor and are like, we need you to score maybe 15 points a game in order for us to have any chance to win. And they just can't do it. Yeah, I mean, even even that year, I, I don't think it ever really got this bad. Um, and ultimately, we're talking about one loss here, but yeah. they're having the same offensive struggles against the main Black Bears, perennial bottom feeder in the America East. Um, it's just not good. Um, it's it, it's it's not good basketball, and at some point, Tony Bennett has to answer for his crimes. Hey, defending national champ. <laughs> I. Nope. Yes, and l- lest we forget, so many things had to go right on that run um, that it just offensively, no less. Yeah, like yeah, that's how um, they got it, there. It's like it's it's truly absurd. Um, so I finally watched. Like I don't know if they did montage during the game or something, but yeah, from the elite eight on, from the basically. elite eight on, yeah, just buddy. It's like 
God's uh, plan. I can't like ma- making me watch the Houston Tulane ending three times in a row. Um, <laughs> it's tough. One of them was okay because it was Purdue, but then yeah, tough. That's all. Um, on North Carolina, yeah, so that, that's that's my least impressive. <laughs> North Carolina, I had them listed as well. Uh, like you said, they're they're looking at a guy from Glenbard West, and they're also looking at a guard, Christian Keeling, who transferred over from Charleston Southern. The guy averaged 17-plus points all three years he was there. He's averaging four points a game right now. He just can't shoot the ball like he did before. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just going up against better competition. But even so, you see these low-major guys scoring the ball pretty well. They can still score, typically, coming to a power team. Whatever For whatever reason, he's just not working out. And that's, I mean, that's a huge killer because that's one of the guards they kind of hoped would be the Robin to... Batman for uh, Cole Anthony, and obviously Armando Baycott getting hurt is a killer because he was dominant in that win over Oregon in the Bahamas. Fifteen rebounds, twenty-one points, five blocks. Like that's what they need. If they can't, if they can't get another guard to play, they need an inside-out game, and that's what he gave them. And he was strong on the offensive glass. So uh, somebody's got to step up for North Carolina. I have no idea who it is. They are just <laughs> they're tough to watch as well. They they go and that's, yeah. That's kind of what they thought Garrison Brooks might be, mm-hmm. um, especially the way he he had his sort of coming out game against Alabama and the Bahamas. But yeah. that's the thing. Like, Cole Anthony is going to get his, you would hope at least. And then after that, it's just kind of a, a game-by-game thing. Who's going to play well today? Mm-hmm. And you can't rely on that because you need some kind of consistent production from, you know, you would, you would hope your entire starting lineup. But also, there are going to be games where Cole Anthony has an off night. And if... Like he's still going to be your leading scorer regardless of how he does. That's going to be a, uh, yeah. a recipe for disaster. Like and the biggest problem is well. Cole Anthony has to be a volume scorer, which he's not. Like that's not his game whatsoever, and he's not efficiently scoring. So he's taking twenty-five shots a game, and he's making maybe eight or nine of them, and that it's just, they're just getting killed on the glass, and they, no one else has you know the ability or wants to shoot at this point. Um, so yeah, it's. Bad news in North Carolina. Uh, Oklahoma State, previously undefeated, loses two home games to Georgetown and Wichita. Uh, the Shockers have been quiet over the ba- past couple of years. I still don't think they're anything great this year, but two tough losses certainly at home. Uh, Notre Dame, they lose Robbie Carmody again to injury for the year, uh, get blown out by Maryland, and then lose at home to Boston College for the first time in like a decade. That is a bad loss right there. This is yeah. not uh, the Boston College of a year or two, three years ago, you know, the past couple. Providence. Woof. I feel like I net mention Providence every week. They're just, yeah, they're an every week appearance on here. Uh, they're turning into our basketball version of Kevin Sumlin. But Pretty much, yeah. The, uh, the Pepperdine win was <laughs> narrow. Pepperdine is a better team. And then they go on the road and just get smoked by Rhode Island, lose by double digits. I think Rhode Island is actually a better team than people will give credit, and they'll they'll make some noise in the A10. Fats Russell, one, not only one of the best names, but a great guard. Um, Texas Tech losing at DePaul. I mean, one of one of the best shooters, free throw shooters in the entire country, goes to the line up by two with 15 seconds left or so to seal the game and misses the second of two. For Jalen Coleman lands to come down, who has been spectacular for DePaul this year. He's hit so many big shots. He shoots the ball really well from three. Comes down, hits a three to tie it, and then we go to overtime. 
I mean, Texas Tech gave away that game, even without Jemias Ramsey. They uh they look bad without him because they just don't have any scorers. And when Davide Moretti has to force up shots, you are in a tough place. Yeah, and you would also feel a lot better if DePaul didn't follow that up by immediately losing to Buffalo. Going down like that, 19 at home in the second yeah. half. Yeah, like they, they made it respectable, but they were, once again, like, it's just MAC teams. They were getting the shit kicked out of them by Central Michigan earlier this year, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's tough, especially if you're Texas Tech. To see, like, this is this is the team we just gave the game away to. Yeah, and to be fair, I think DePaul is much improved. I didn't expect them to be like this. I think they'll be middle of the pack in the Big East. I certainly don't think they're the cellar dweller this year, but they're certainly they certainly look better. And if Charlie Moore plays like he did before this last two game stretch for most of the season, they're going to be very good. Um, yeah, they they have legitimate high major players this yeah, year. Like they do, mo- mostly other programs castoffs, but still, mm-hmm. like that that matters. That is how Eric Musselman has a job in the <laughs> SEC. That is literally yeah. how he got there. Uh, the last team, Illinois pulling out just the absolute fire throwback jerseys for the Miami game and getting. Woof. Boat raced in the first half. They come back to lose by two. Uh, Miami is not a great basketball team right now. Chris Likes is very good, but he's also five foot seven. You should be able to take care of that or at least limit him some way. Uh, and then the Maryland game. Double-digit lead in the second half. Yes, it was a true road game. Um, but Illinois just inability to close, inability to run and execute offensively. And then giving up. Anthony Cowan, deep, deep three with under 10 seconds, and then turning the ball over and fouling to lose is just a rough game for Brad Underwood's squad. They they played the, the reverse game, essentially, mm-hmm. and managed to lose both. Yes. Like, that's, that's yep. tough. It, it, it's a hell of a week. That's the way you cap, cap off and start a week it's, right there. That's uh, it's how you're in the name, Brad Underwood. And, and their, their gift is they get Michigan this week, so... That'll be fun. I, I don't know. I mean, Mi- Michigan is definitely a weird team because, like, credit yeah. credits to credits to Louisville. Like, they are deserved number one team in the country. But you watch a lot of that game, and you you wonder how Juwan Howard won the Battle for Atlantis with this group. Like, they yeah. they they they, do. Can str- they can struggle offensively. Like, and then you watch Gonzaga really on Sunday at Washington, and you really wonder how Juwan oh, Howard won yeah. the battle for Atlantis. I mean, honest, at this point, I'm pretending it never happened because same. I I will be the first to admit I did not watch a single second of Gonzaga to Michigan versus Michigan. So mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, that never happens. Um, Smart, but yeah, watch watched a lot of. Uh, Zags versus Huskies last night. Um, Washington is a, a very good team um, with my buddy Bill Walton. So yeah, that was that was a good a good performance um, on the road and continuing to own the state of Washington is great. Um, Ten straight over Pac-12 teams. So yeah, I mean that's yeah could uh, could win the Pac-12 every year if they wanted to. They but could. They really could. You gotta gotta stay loyal. The WCC, WCC. is gonna be it's gonna be decently good this year i don't think st mary's is second best either i think byu is better yeah i think it's oh i think it's gonna be slightly down from last year um yeah you're mainly, not gonna have san francisco making yeah mainly mainly based on st mary's not being you know as as competitive so far this season as we'd hope they might be mm-hmm. um, definitely think pepperdine is is one of those teams that's going to be much improved but yep. ultimately 
not to the level that's really gonna they'd be spoiler get anybody going yeah San Francisco was playing decent early in the year and I think they played a couple uh, better teams and and fell off a little bit (laughs) that'll that'll happen yeah BYU will will probably be in uh, a couple of annoying games against the Zags this year it's been it's been a while since they have been been doing a lot of their their work this year without child so Mm -hmm. getting him back is only going to make things harder as well so yeah we had a couple of fun battles. For sure. As the premier West Coast Conference podcast in the world. It's true. A lot of competition, yep. but holding on to that crown. Um, all right. Any uh any closing thoughts for the week? None this week. It's uh we're getting we're getting closer. Final final games of the non conference closing up here and most some of the power leagues have already started games as we've seen and it'll be it'll be a fun one moving through the holidays and then into actual conference play. Yeah, some of the, some of the Big Ten has started. Indiana has not yet. We'll have to see uh, when they do next week. Um, and the ACC as well. Um, yeah, and got got bowl season coming up too. So yeah, lot lot happening uh, through the end of the calendar year, and then of course once we get to January after the national title game, you know, all basketball all the time. Yep, it's gonna We're be getting great. There, so stay with us. We will uh, be back next week.